Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to the very first happy hour episode of October. Today's October 2nd, episode number 327, and I'm so excited about our guests. But first, I must tell you that I am also so excited because yesterday, my book, UBU, Why Satisfaction and Success Are Closer Than You Think, it released into the world yesterday. I birthed a book yesterday, you guys, and I am so grateful. This has been a fun season leading up to this. I was telling someone just the other day that writing a book is a long process. I mean, I turned in the first draft of this last October. And so this is something that's been on my heart and my mind for almost two years now. And I told someone, here's how I know I love it is because I'm not tired of talking about it. I still believe in it. And I cannot wait to see how God uses it to minister to people's lives as they dive into it. So I'm excited. Thank you for your kind words. All day yesterday, the book released. Two things I'd love. If you want to be like, Jamie, I got my book in the mail. Thank you. Here's what you could do. Number one is after you read the book, you could go write a review over on Amazon or wherever you got the book. That actually really helps out the author a lot. And the second thing is, you guys know I love Instagram. Take a picture of you with your book, even if you haven't read it yet. If you just got it in the mail today, take a picture of you with the book and tag me on Instagram. I would love to see it. And you know what? If you're here and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even know you had a book. I don't even know you. Well, we would love to give you all the information about the book. You can find it two ways. You can go to jamieivy.com slash UBU, or this is my favorite. You can text the words UBU, no spaces, all one word, UBU to 33777. That's UBU, no spaces, to 33777. And we're going to tell you all you need to know about UBU. So releasing a book yesterday was amazing, but you guys, this show today is amazing. This is a fun show because my guest is Kim Walker-Smith, and I tell the story at the beginning of the episode of how we met, so I won't spoil it here, but let me just tell you, we're both fans of each other, and it made our meeting so fun. In fact, I cannot wait for Kim's besties, Davinia, to be listening to this. Kim and I have a great conversation today about raising kids, about how they're a homeschooling family. We talk about how she's a part of three album releases this year. If you have not listened to Kim Walker-Smith's music or Jesus Culture, I suggest you stop right now and go find their music. Okay, you guys, one thing you need to know is you need to listen to the end because I randomly asked her about her wedding and her wedding story is maybe the most fun wedding I've ever heard in my entire life. And you guys, I do want to let you know that we talk about suicide in this episode. Kim talks about that and that season in her life actually led her to following Jesus. And so it's a beautiful story, but I want to let you know we talk about that. You guys, you're going to love this conversation today. It's fun. It's deep. It's encouraging. Sit back, relax. Here is my conversation with my friend, Kim Walker-Smith. Hey, Kim, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you as well. Now, can I say something real quick about you? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited to have you on the show because I don't know if you remember this, but I met you at Catalyst West. Yes. And I never met you before. I had never even seen you in person, but been a fan of your music personally and Jesus culture for years. And you stopped me and you said, (laughs) wait, I recognize your voice. Are you Jamie Ivey? And I said, 
Yes. And so we chatted for just a split second and I immediately texted my husband like, you are not going to believe what just happened. (laughs) (laughs) I was freaking out. So that is my introduction to when I met you. I hope I acted cool and poised, but on the end, you know, it's like you listen to someone. I don't know if you probably feel this about people. I feel about people. I feel like people feel this about me sometimes, but you listen to people, whether they're like a songwriter or a TV, whatever, and you go... Oh, that's so cool. So that was my introduction to you. Yes. Well, I felt that way about you right when I recognized your voice and I was so excited. My best friend, Davina and I, we listened to your podcast and actually she's been texting me all morning. She's so excited. Like she texted, she's like 15 minutes. Oh my gosh. And then the last text I got from her was a voice text of her just screaming. Ah! Because she's just Davina, thank you so much. That's so excited. Well, I'm over on the other end texting my husband like, oh my gosh, in 10 minutes. So we're both (laughs) mutual fans of each other. And so that makes me so excited. Welcome to the show. And if anyone is listening and they're like, who is this Kim girl? Just give us an overview introduction of you and your life. And then we'll jump in. Yeah. Okay. So I am part of Jesus Culture, which Jesus Culture is, let's see, 21 years old. I've been with Jesus Culture for 20 years, 20 of the 21 years. I did not know that. Yeah, a long time. And we started as a youth conference. I was a young adult when we started. So I was like 18, 19, right around there. Youth conference and then evolved into um, a ministry and kind of a more of a movement around the world. And then we just planted a church about six years ago in Sacramento, California. It'll be six years next month, actually. And I am a wife to Skylar, my husband. I'm a mom. I have three kids. They're all little, six, five, and three. My boys are 14 months apart. That almost killed me, but it's getting really good now. (laughs) And I live on a little farm out in the sticks about an hour outside of the city. So. I love everything about this. So a couple of things. Number one, I have four children, but when we just had two, they are our first two kids that we had. It's weird because now the ages are changed because of adoption, but they're 22 months apart, which is longer than 14. And I remember Mm -hmm. thinking, I don't know how I'm going to actually survive this. Yes. And I tell you, I wonder if you'd say the same thing. The first two years of having both of them, I have very vague memories of. Like, it's just like, I don't know what happened with it. It's a fog. It's a total fog. fog. And I've always said, I thought twins would have been easier because at least they'd be in the same stage all Uh the time. Uh But having them back to back, it was like, just as one was exiting a stage, the other one was entering it and it made everything feel so incredibly long. Like Groundhog Day, like, oh wait, we're doing this again. Yes. (laughs) This is the same thing for two years. Yes. Exactly. And how old are they now? Six, five, and three. Okay. And my three-year-old, I, after the boys, I mean, that did me in. I was done. I was like, thank you. I'm good. I'll just stop right here. But God just kept, I don't know. I just had this feeling all the time. We'd be sitting at dinner and I felt like someone was missing. Mm-hmm. It just felt like someone else was supposed to be there. And so I think that was just nudging of God. And it's funny because every time I brought it up to my husband, he was like, oh, no way. Pregnant Kim? No thanks. Kim with a newborn. No thanks. I felt the same way, but so funny. I gave in. I'll tell you now, my boys are 16, 15, and 14. And yes, so they're very close. I mean, we're like in the same stages. I have a junior and two freshmen. And although they're brothers, they have, you know, they have their moments for the most part. And I I pray that they're going to be like best friends forever. Because I tell my kids, in fact, I just told one of my kids this yesterday, Kim. 
I tell them, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, that sibling relationships, for the Mm -hmm. most part, obviously things can happen and change and we know that tragedy and we live in a hard world. But for the most part, this could potentially be your longest relationship on earth. Yes. Longer than your marriage, longer than your parents. And so I'm always telling my kids, like, these are your people. Like, look around. (laughs) The person you're mad at, this is who you will know the longest in your life, potentially, if you all live to 80 and blah, blah, blah. But isn't that crazy? Yes. And it's so true. I've had the same conversations with my kids, except they got mad at me because they said, well, you may not always have me and daddy, but you always have each other. And they said, wait, what? And then they got really upset. Yeah. That was a whole other conversation. Yeah. It's true. And I mean, right now, are you, two of your kids are in school. So you're in the middle of also homeschooling. Were you yes. all a homeschooling family before COVID? Yes, we were. Okay. We were okay. homeschooling beforehand. So I was getting all the phone calls, you know, when everything shut down. <laughs> we're like, Kim, teach us your way. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. In one way, yes. we're so very prepared for what life is like now. You know, speaking of life today, 2020, you have so many things that have happened this year professionally mm-hmm. that I want to talk about that I'm just so excited about that I have benefited from. But also just 2020 is hard. I mean, it is a difficult year. Nothing has been untouched, it feels like, with it being difficult. And I was interviewing someone the other day and they said this, which I thought was really good. They said, we're all in the same storm of 2020, but we're just in different boats because really it's not the same for everyone. It's different for our friends of color. They're having a different experience this year than we are. It's different for people who are trying to immigrate. All the things, it's different. Same storm. How are you finding peace in the storm of 2020? And I get, I mean, that's kind of this like bigger question because we're going to be living within storms that would just look different our yeah, whole life. But what yeah. does that look like for you this year? Yeah, it's kind of funny because right at first when everything got shut down, I I was a little, <laughs> I was a little offended. I was like, everyone was talking about how drastically this was changing their life. And for me, I was like, well, shoot, nothing's changed for me. I'm still trapped in this house, homeschooling kids. <laughs> nothing's changed. But I think that's when we all kind of thought, oh, this is for a few weeks and then we'll be back to normal. And then weeks turns into months, you know, and all of a sudden when everything started getting canceled, one event after the other and all of the things that I normally do with my life outside of family and homeschool were just all gone. And it kind of threw me into this whirlwind of again, coming back to my identity. And it's funny because I just hate I hate when I come face to face with something that I feel like, wait a minute, didn't I already conquer this? Didn't I already figure this out? Like, why am I facing this again? But it was kind of this whirlwind of, well, if I'm not doing all the things I really love and am passionate about, who am I? Am I still, am I still Kim the worship leader? Am I still, am I still okay? You know, just all these things kind of going through my mind. And I kept feeling like Jesus was really pushing me towards looking at my kids and really just being in the moment with my kids. And that kind of felt like almost like a cliche kind of thing to say, like, okay, little mom down there, be in the moment with your kids. Like I've seen that on everyone's Facebook post who is also a stay-at-home mom, you know, like, yes, I guess I get that. But what was not expected was the peace that I would find through that connection with my kids. Because, you know, they're little, it can be wild sometimes. You deal with temper tantrums or whatever it is. They're finding their voice. 
But what I have found in this season that something that has actually helped me in holding on to my peace to God has been through my connection with my kids. As I have been, you know, they're aware of there's a lot of things happening in the world. My kids are pretty sensitive. We have a lot of conversations. I like for them to be aware of what's happening in the world. So we talk about things a lot, but teaching them to navigate having peace in this season has been, it's like I'm teaching myself as I'm talking to them, if that makes sense. So it's funny. I I feel like I have grown so much in carrying peace because before when you're in the constant go, go, go of life and all the things happening and your routines and you're just kind of used to how life is and how life is busy or whatever is going on. It's, I kind of feel like I, it's like these moments of, Oh, I need peace. Or I, and I'm just kind of grasping at these little moments, but this has felt like a huge lesson in learning to truly carry that and walk that out every day. And it just came in the most surprising way and actually trying to teach my children and lead them in that. Yeah. And it feels surprising to you only because you do homeschool. And so Mm -hmm. for those of us that don't, we're like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, I know how to do this. But God used even just your children in that time with the peace. And I too, when you talk about when everything started canceling and, you know, listeners don't know this, but we had an event that we were going to do together to get canceled. And I'm so sad. I felt the same way, Kim, when everything started canceling is I kind of had this moment of, well, who am I if I'm not doing this? Yes. And I don't know how you feel about traveling. I think that for those of us that travel for our, our lives, for our jobs, there are times it can be like, oh, like, okay, I'm packing again. I'm going to the airport yeah. to get all the things. But I found I really enjoy that. And so when all of a sudden none of that was happening, I went through the same thing and God had to really do a number on me of where am I finding my identity? Am I finding it in yes. Jamie traveling, speaking on a stage or am I finding it in God? Because that yes. is unchanging, you know? And so I would imagine, I'm going to just make a broad statement. I bet a lot of people walked through that, even though if it looked different than you and I with what we do for a yeah. living, I feel like that would have been a common theme of people. I mean, especially when you think about all of our friends who lost jobs and just, again, same storm, very different boats. Yeah. I think a lot of people have definitely faced that. I mean, when you think about kind of like the first question you asked me, like, tell me a little bit about who you are and, mm-hmm. and what you do, your job, or that is always part of that conversation. So it's very easy to kind of take that into a part of your identity. And, and it truly is, but you don't want your identity to be like rooted in that right. because of what we're experiencing. The moment it's gone, then suddenly you're like, "Ah, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Okay. So during COVID, during this past six months, you have been a part of some great releases. Number Mm -hmm. one, you released an album, a a solo album, Wild Heart in Mm -hmm. July, the end of July. In April, Jesus Culture released Church Volume 1. Yes. Uh, And then when did Volume 2 come out? It was right after. So May. Yeah. Yeah. Three amazing albums in the middle of a hard season, which I know just because I'm married to a songwriter and a worship leader is that those albums worked on, you know, for years before this. But I want to talk about your album, Wild Heart. Okay. It has been three years since your last album. Yes. And not uncommon, not the craziest thing in the world, but I'm always curious no matter what someone's creating in that time between releases, whether it is art or books or albums, I always seem to find that 
special things happen in that time, which leads yeah. to the creation of the new album. So what are some things that God did in your life personally that kind of bled over into this new album from your last one? Yeah. So my last record on my side, uh, the one before Wild Heart, it really came out of a season, like a really, really hard season. Um, all of the the graphics and the pictures, the photo shoot, everything we used was all like desert type stuff, which is totally how I felt. I did the album in a studio, which I felt like was just how the stories and the songs need to be told, which is very unusual for me because I always do live. And um, it just, my stepfather had passed away from Parkinson's disease. I had really severe postpartum after my second. We were moving. We're trying to sell a house and it flooded. (laughs) Like it just, there was just a lot of things going on and coming out of that season. And I would say, I feel like I was in the transition of moving out of the desert season as we released that record. And I kind of felt a little like, I don't know what's on the other side of all of this. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like I'm emerging out of this. I feel like I've really learned some things about the Lord. And the greatest thing I learned was that he's in the mess with me. And that was something I really needed to learn. I think I always felt like I had to somehow in my own strength, perfect myself before I could bring myself to him. Mm. And he was really teaching me that he has no expectation of that, but he wants to come and sit in the mess with me. And then I thought that he'd come and be in the mess and be like, here's your step-by-step plan to get out of this. But instead it was very much like, I'm just here with you. And he wasn't rushing the process of emerging from all of that. So I'm really fortunate to not be part of a record label that demands. I make records like every year or anything like that. I have no contracts that do that. Um, So I I always feel like I need to live a little life and have something to say. I don't want to record songs just to do it. I want to like have something to bring to people and have a story to tell. And um, so what's happened in the years between the albums was just this new life in so many ways. We finally found a home to live in, our little farm, and it's just full of life with all the animals and the food, the garden that we planted. And then I had another baby and I never thought that would happen, but she has just brought me so much joy. The the pregnancy um, and then having, I'm not, I guess, gotta be honest, I'm not really a fan of the newborn stage. I just, I know <laughs> everyone talks about, oh, they're just this, no, that's not how, I'm not the one running to the newborns. I like it when they People can walk and talk. And like, Do you want to hold my baby? I'm like, not really. <laughs> yeah, that's totally me. If that's, I hold your baby and yeah. they start crying, I'm like, here's your baby. Yeah, yeah I, that's totally me. But, but she was so easy as a newborn. It just felt like this whole season has just been life. Like everywhere I'm looking, life and just a breath of fresh air. And also I realized that I emerged out of that season with, my arms kind of swinging, like wanting to fight and not in a mean way, but like I have something to fight for. And I just, I wanted to express all of that in song. And I also wanted to express the tender heart of the father that I had experienced. And so Wild Heart was 
birthed out of all of that. And it was funny because I'd been working on all of the songs with, you know, all my favorite songwriters and some of them were written before for me to sing. And I didn't know which songs were going to make the record or anything. And it just kind of all came together. I just feel like God is really good about handpicking what song is supposed to be where. And when it came to the recording, we scheduled to record in February. And as we're getting close to that, I felt like this is too soon. It's too soon. And normally I really trust my gut instincts and I feel like they're accurate. And I just kept feeling like this is too soon. But every time I prayed, I felt like Jesus said, I'm going to need you to ignore those feelings and push through and make this happen. And that felt really unusual for me. And I just felt like, okay, well, I'm just walking by obedience now because this feels weird. And even up to the day of the recording, and it's a live event. So people have come from all over the US to be at this recording. And I just feel this, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh, I don't know if this is right. And go out there. And of course, Jesus showed up and it was totally amazing. The recording was amazing. But then it was like three weeks after the whole world shuts down from COVID. And I was like, you knew, you knew, you God. knew. Yeah. And I was so thankful that we got it all done and recorded before everything shut down. And then I felt like, well, this is incredible that these songs are coming out right now in this season. Cause I feel like they're songs that we need in this season. It is it's, incredible. Yeah. It is incredible. God knew. Now <laughs> the videos that I've seen and the photos are beautiful. And you recorded this at a theater, Cascade yes. Theater, yeah. where you were also married. Yes. Same theater I was married in. Is it yeah, like I, a theater that people get married in? Is that kind of uh, what's... or Not totally. It's, okay. It's funny because I'm like realizing I've never really talked about this a ton, but um, I had this thing when I... So I got married at 27. So I was a little bit older than most of my friends. And I just... I'm not really a big fan of tradition. So I... I didn't want to toss my bouquet. I didn't want cake mm-hmm. smashed in my face. I didn't want cake because I don't like cake. Like... I just want to do things different. And I was actually attending a theater school and I love acting. I love theater. And I said, what if we had some sort of little, you know, like a, a monologue or something at the wedding just for fun, for entertainment. And then my husband, who I guess can sometimes have wilder ideas than me, he said, well, what if the whole thing was like a play? And I was like, like, really? Like our whole wedding? He's like, yeah. So I wrote a musical right now. And the reason we we're at the theater was because our wedding was the musical. So the bridesmaids and the groomsmen were actors and actresses in the musical. We had narrators. We had a song. We had um, a friend who's a composer of mine. He composed original music for the, the musical theater. We hid our rings out in the audience and got like audience interaction of like finding the rings. And, um, at the end, we did even the typical, like everyone bowing. And of course, the lead characters bow at the very end. And this everyone's- the best I think I have ever heard in a long time, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I first came on the stage, I wasn't in a wedding dress. I was in a totally different outfit that went along with the storyline. And people literally gasped. The whole crowd just went, <gasps> when I walked out, not in a wedding dress. And when it was all over at the reception, so many people said, so did you actually get married? <laughs> and we're like, yes, it, it actually happened. We actually got married. This but, is the yeah. best thing ever. It was just a wild musical wedding. I still, to this day, people who went to the wedding will say, Kim, 
That was so fun. And they would say, I've never been to a wedding where I'm laughing hysterically and then I'm crying the next moment and then I'm laughing again and then I'm crying again. It was so this fun. So, okay, so I have a handful <laughs> of questions about this <laughs> theater style wedding. Yeah. Number one, did the people who came to your wedding know what they were getting? Or did they just walk in like, I'm coming to a wedding ceremony? They just walked in thinking they're coming to a wedding ceremony. They did not know. <laughs> okay, so was it evident to them pretty soon like what was happening? Because you said you came out and you didn't have a wedding dress on, which I would have been like, is she announcing? Like, I would have freaked out. If that would have happened. Yeah. So we started off with a song. There was a live band and they're playing a song. It was really beautiful. But then these two guys, my friends, William and Kelly walked out and they started talking and they were the narrators of the story, but they kind of opened it up. And at first you just kind of think they're like the MC, like this is interesting. Uh They have an MC for their wedding. Okay. But then they start the story and then the characters start coming out in costume. And then you could just hear everyone like the audience, you know, there's all this whispering and these gasps and this laughing. And I think then they, you know, they figured it all out at that point. Please tell me you have this on video. I do. I do oh, have this on good, video. Good. I mean, that it's is not be a wedding that yeah. your kids might want to watch. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not awesome. like perfect video, but it's there. It's on video. It's good. That yeah. is awesome. Okay. So your husband, Skylar, how long have y'all been married? We've been married for 11 years. We knew each other as kids. So we grew up in the same little farm town. And when I was about 12 years old, I saw him at a church camp and I got sent to this church camp. I wasn't really a Christian, but I got sent to this camp and um, I saw him and instantly just had a big crush on him. And I fell in love with him. I have in my diary as a kid, I would write, I love Skylar Smith. And I would practice writing Mrs. Kimberly Smith all the time, but I couldn't get him to talk to me. He was just like a typical farm boy. Just, he loves being outside. He was like, not interested in girls or dating girls. He's just, he's just interested in dirt and just being outside, you know? And I would try and try and try to get him to talk to me. I never could get him to talk to me. Okay. Well, so. tell me the story of A, how you became a Christian. If you, yep. if that is a time in your life when you weren't, and then B, how did you get Skylar Smith to, to yeah. give you any attention? <laughs> yeah. Well, my stepdad, the one I mentioned that passed away, he was my third stepfather. And uh, when he came into my life, I was about 11 years old. And the previous stepfathers, I had walked through a lot of abuse and I had zero trust in men. I had a lot of anger towards men. And in my mind, he was just another man coming into my life, was going to hurt us and leave us. But he was a Christian, a really solid Christian. And he went to a a church. He got my mom and all of us going to church really regularly. And it was more like church wasn't just something you went to or did every now and then. It was like church became a really big part of life. But I think because of all of the pain that I was in, I just... I was angry at God. I was angry at my mom. I was angry at George and I didn't really even know him, but I just was in a world of pain. And so I was just kind of rejecting all of that. But I did notice that when I was at church, it made my mom really happy. And her happiness was something that always really mattered to me and was really important to me. And so I kind of decided I'm just going to stuff everything inside and I'm going to walk through the motions. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be at church. I'm going to participate in the youth group. I'm going to do these things that make my mom happy. But on the inside, I'm like dying and I'm so angry. Mm -hmm. And at 18, 
well, almost 18. I was my senior year of high school. I just hit this point where I just like, I couldn't, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't know the answer. I didn't know how to get free. I didn't even know how to communicate fully what I was feeling and what I was dealing with. And I felt like my mom had moved on with marrying George, but I felt like I was still trapped way back in the past and I couldn't get away from that. And one day when I was home alone and they were all gone, I just decided I wanted my life to end. I went and cleaned out the medicine cabinet, swallowing everything I could to just end my life. I blacked out. I woke up about two hours later. I was laying on the floor and I was very confused when I woke up. I was confused that I was waking up, but I was like looking around and I hadn't been sick. There was no sign of me being sick at all. I I didn't have a headache. I didn't have a stomach ache. Like there was just nothing. It was as if nothing had actually happened. And I just almost felt like this holy fear, (laughs) fear of God. And in that moment, I just said, okay, I think you are real and I will give my life to you and I will serve you. I will never look back, but you've got to set me free. I cannot live like this anymore. And I had no idea what those words would mean and the journey it would set me on because he definitely took me on a journey of inner healing, years of inner healing and counseling. And it was quite the process, but but such a good one and so necessary for my life. And um, that was when I became a Christian. So wow. yeah, up up to that point with Skylar, I just saw him at church. He went to Christian school. I went to public school. Yeah. And I kept trying to talk to him, get him to talk to me and he wouldn't. His family and him moved away when he graduated high school two years before me and I didn't see him again or so sad. And 10 years later, I ran into him through a mutual friend up in Washington state. And I instantly recognized him and finally got that conversation, finally got him to talk to me. And we got engaged two months later and married six months after that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That look is a short 12, version. Look at 12-year-old Kim Walker's like, <laughs> yeah, guy, Skyler's yes. coming through. Yeah, um, that's finally got story. him. And I appreciate your vulnerability and openness sharing about that day of saying, I'll follow you yeah. Jesus forever and the freedom journey that he took you on. It's just, it never ceases to amaze me the way God will move in people's lives. Yeah. Uh, and the, in that moment when you were so desperate to end the pain and mm-hmm. the trap that you felt like you were in, God's hand yeah. was all over you and he wouldn't let you go. And that gives me chills um, to think yeah. about. So yeah. Crazy. And you know, I know that a lot of times Christianity can come across to people as a, oh, if you accept Jesus, your life is just going to be good. Like suddenly all your problems will disappear and go away. Yeah. How's that working out for us? (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it could not be farther from the truth. And for me, when I gave my life to Jesus and I, in that moment, and I, I said, I want to be free. I did not expect at all that he would just snap his fingers and make it all good. I think I'd already learned through my own life that it's just hard, but anything, I mean, what's that expression? I've heard like anything worth having is hard. And so that's how it felt. And I felt though that I was ready to take that journey with him and to work through all of that stuff. And I think what I saw was that he was the answer but that he was going to be leading me through it. Like it wasn't just, he's the answer and everything's going to go away right now, but he's the answer that's going to move me through this and 
with me, like the partnership, I think is what I'm trying to say. The partnership was what was really needed and really incredible and really beautiful. And I've actually kind of set a really solid foundation, I think, for my life as a Christ follower and just running to him and allowing him to walk with me through whatever season it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said earlier in this interview about how you had that moment where you felt like you were in the mess and you wanted God to bring the three-step ways to get out of the mess. Yes. I'm just going to be with you in the mess. Yes. And that is exactly what you experienced on the floor. Yes. God saying, I'm going to be with you in this mess and we're going to be on a journey towards freedom. That's going to be really beautiful for someone to hear right now. Kim, being a worship leader, Mm -hmm. it's been a tad bit difficult in the last couple of months since we have not (laughs) been having church. Let me tell you, a few weeks ago, so I went to the online taping with my husband. Um, He was leading and I was like, I'm going to come with you. There's like five people in the room besides the sound guys. And we're all married to somebody on the stage, right? So (laughs) I go and I took my kids and we're standing there and I wept through the entire worship because it's not that I haven't heard music. It's not that I haven't worshiped. And it wasn't even corporate. Literally, there were 12 of us. Yeah, yeah. But it just felt like, oh, I'm sure that you're like this since this is um, the path that God's led you on as being a leader in the church with worship is I feel so moved through the power of music. And so in that moment, I just wept and wept and wept. How have you felt as a leader in this season? Mm -hmm. Because leadership looks different right now than it normally would. So how have you felt? What have you learned? How has that been for you as a leader in your church? It's been really difficult, but I have been fighting to just try to keep my focus on what God is doing in this time and not what isn't happening that's been so frustrating. You know, immediately I realized I need to shift my perspective. So when you're in a room full of people, I always say the most beautiful sound is not what's coming from the stage, but the sound of the people worshiping. That's really what is so beautiful. And I really believe very passionately that uh, worship is not just part of a routine on a Sunday morning, but worship is a really incredible opportunity for us to come into the presence of God and to be changed and to have a really incredible encounter with Him. And and also there's something really incredible about a room of people. When all of us are in the moment of worship together. And it's kind of hard to put words to. It's powerful. There's something about the unity, you know, where two or more are gathered. There's, it just feels like there's just an increase of, of authority in the ground that we're taking. And, and this kind of, you feel the, like, we're all here together. We're going forward together. It's just really powerful and really incredible in so many ways. And suddenly not having that I was kind of like, how are we going to do this? What is this going to be like? And the very first time we had been recording our church sessions beforehand. So they're like being recorded on a Wednesday and then streamed on a Sunday. And um, going into that, I was kind of like, how do I do this? Like, it's a room full of cameras, you know, like, how do you be a worship leader when there's no one to lead? <laughs> like, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. And then there's also the, this was running through my mind. A lot of times as a worship leader, I'm asking God, what is it that you want to do today? And how can I partner with you in that? So I feel like in this moment today, 
when I'm leading with these people that you brought these people here, there's something you want to do in their lives. And I want to partner with you in helping to do that. And so now we're recording on a Wednesday. This is happening on a Sunday and people are going to be watching it in their homes, but I feel like you still have a message for them. So I'm trying to like figure out what that is on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? It's yeah. I'm I'm just, yes. And I don't want this. I want it to be in the moment. So in my head, I'm thinking I need to like pretend like this is a Sunday. Like I need to talk about the moment right now, not in a few days, you know, it's like right now. And then also I realized I had to like train myself to imagine the people in the room. Mm. Like they're not there, but I'm imagining that they are. So even like the moments as a worship leader where you're like, come on, sing this out loud. And just remembering like, you're still leading them, but just they're at home. (laughs) You're leading them at home. And I want them to feel like I'm in the moment with them. Not they're just watching a show. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I want there to be that interaction. So it's like, I had to completely change the way I lead worship. It's just been a process, you know? And I, I miss so much being in the room of people. I know as soon as we're allowed to come back together, I will be just like you were just weeping and sobbing. I probably will not even be able to do my job of leading worship. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'll just be so happy with tears of joy. Do you think like, I just thought this and I, I wonder this all the time. I imagine what that first Sunday will be like. And it's weird because I don't know how it is in California, but here in Austin where I live, there's like phases. And so some churches are like, it's just, there's no standard. It all feels like, I don't know. So I often wonder like, what will that first Sunday be like? And I know it will be different because there won't be as many people in the room, but it will be great because now we have zero. So we'll go from zero to whatever. But I wonder even as a, as a worship leader, what do you think will be different next time you're on stage leading people? Anything? Like, does this feel different at all next time? Well, yeah, I think that's been part of the shifting my perspective. I I mean, okay, going to be real honest here. I think that this has been a little bit of a wake-up call for a lot of churches in that it is very easy to hide behind production. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it to seem like, you know, I'm a creative, so I have a lot of appreciation for things that are beautiful. Mm -hmm. I love when the stage looks beautiful. I love when you have someone who really knows what they're doing with the lights and it adds to the moment, doesn't distract. I understand all of the production and, and I have an appreciation for it, especially when it's done well. However, it is very easy to hide behind that production. It is very easy as a church to have such a polished and beautiful, incredible production that you're not even having to think about what you're actually offering people and if it is the meat that they're needing. And it's also easy as a worship leader to just fall into the routine of we sing our songs, the pastor preaches, we close it out and we go out to lunch with our friends and then we fall asleep watching TV for our Sunday afternoon nap. Like this is the routine of many people's Sunday. And it's kind of easy to coast and you don't even realize because you can like, everything can go so smooth with all of the perfectly timed and lined up production that you walk off the stage feeling like a champ because you're like, we did not nailed have it. one. Yeah, nailed it. Didn't have one mistake. Everyone did everything right. They played the right chords. Everything was right on the time at exactly, you know, 11.03, we finished and they got the offering thing in there and they, you know, like all of that. And 
that has no bearing on our actual relationship with Christ Mm -hmm. and whether we are truly encountering him, representing him, all of those things. And it's, you know, similar to a marriage. If I said, my marriage is so awesome. Every night we sit down and have dinner together and that's it. Are you kidding me? Like a marriage takes so much work, so much effort. We need the kids to disappear sometimes and have an adult conversation. We need date nights. We need romance. Like you can't just say that it's all good because it, you have this one thing or it looks it. So anyways, I think that this has been an incredible wake up call for the church because all of the production has been stripped away suddenly. And suddenly, you know, there aren't people in there to be like, amen, way to go. Nobody's cheering you on. Nobody's encouraging you. It's just, yes, there's no applause there. No one to laugh at your jokes, like none of that. So now it's kind of like, well, when you take it all away, do you still have Jesus to offer? Or did you take all away, everything away that you had to offer? (laughs) Like, I just think this is like a, this is, if you allow it to be, this could be a really great time to realign and reassess and maybe some repentance. I kind of think that that's actually something Jesus is wanting from a lot of the church right now. And I think that this is a good time to maybe have a fresh restart, hit the restart button and maybe come back to some some simpler things and the true gospel I like it. is a good news, <laughs> good news the for good people. News of Jesus, that's right. Yes. I think I've thought often during this season is I don't want to get to the other side because here's the truth. Like unless we die or Jesus comes back or the world explodes, like we're going to eventually get back to some kind of quote unquote normal. I mean, it's just, it might look different, but something's going to happen. I often think I don't want to get to the other side of that and realize that I missed the voices of people who were saying things. I missed the opportunity for repentance. I missed the opportunity to strip away all of the production, like you're speaking of for leaders, and just see Jesus standing there. So Mm -hmm. I think it's it's a great encouragement for us as you're speaking, just to go, what is it for me? You know, and it could be different for everybody, but what is it? What is God asking of me in the midst of this season that feels a little bit crazy, unknown, sometimes spiraling out of control? And I think he has something for us. I think he really does. Yeah, yeah. Kim, so grateful for you. I love this new album, Wild Heart. It came out in July. You can get it wherever you get music. Also, guys, go listen to the Jesus Culture Church, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Did I, the what you were just talking about with like strip away production and what you have left, did you talk about that with those church albums? Was that mentioned? We talked a little bit about that. Yeah, because we were, we were talking about, we kind of revamped things a lot. And we we're kind of trying to get back to the simplicity of being the church. Because here's here's a funny thing about Jesus culture. When we first started, there wasn't a ton of church albums or okay. church recordings, or there wasn't, it was like the only thing that we could be compared to was Hillsong, you know, as far as like a church or a movement making a record. Okay. And, and we weren't even trying to do anything. We were just trying to create something that would help the teenagers that we were leading. That's mm-hmm. all. But it kind of grew and flourished. And and what I mean by that is like fast forward today and so many churches make albums. So many movements make albums. Like it's very normal and common today, but back then it wasn't. So as we were kind of coming into the Christian music scene, people didn't really know what to call us because it was like, well, they're not a church, but they're like a movement. You know, what do we call this? So everyone started calling us Jesus Culture Band. And it was like, well, that's fine. We didn't consider ourselves a band, but it was, you know, whatever. Then one day we kind of all sat down. It was like, well, 
are we a band? I mean, I guess we're a band, but doesn't, we didn't really feel like we were a band, but kind of guess we're a band. But it became this like, it almost became like an identity put on us that we felt like we had to live up to. Mm-hmm. So for all this time, we were kind of trying to push, we were walking through the music world with this identity that didn't feel quite right and trying to be a band, but it wasn't really who we are. And our desire is always back in our church and with our people. And while we love going out and doing ministry, we don't feel like a band because we just feel like we're just a movement and we're just a church and we're just, you know. So anyways, we decided to just take that away and just strip that identity off and say, we're not a band. We're taking away the title of band. And we're just trying to get back to, we're just a branch of the, the body of Christ. And these songs that we write are for the church and we are part of the church. And we just want to express that. So that's that's why we called the albums church and all the message was just around like church and community and being a part of the body of Christ. I'm a big fan of those albums. I Thank had them you. on a lot um, awesome. in um, quarantine when we had those going. Yeah. Also, side note, I don't know if you know this, my husband wrote a song with Chris McClarney. I love Chris McClarney. Yeah, Aaron, we do too. Oh, Everything and that's nothing amazing. Less, that song of his, they wrote together. Oh, yeah. wow. That's fun. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Kim, we always end. You know this. If you listen to the show, you and your girl. What yeah. are you loving? What are you reading? Okay, what am I loving? I have a thing. <laughs> I feel funny. I have a thing for moisturizers. Like, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm looking at your face. People can't see this because they're listening. Your face looks very beautiful. And I'm like, she takes care of her skin. I can tell. So go tell us what you do. Okay. So I, I'm constantly moisturizing. I constantly looking for new moisturizers. I feel like I just cannot moisturize enough, but I found this new one by flower beauty. Do you, have you heard of flower no. beauty? Uh-uh. It's, um, drew Barrymore's oh, okay. makeup yes, line yes, yes. Okay. and it's super affordable and it's available, you know, just about anywhere. And she has this one and I'm pulling up the name cause I always get it. It's like celestial supernova, something like that. I always get the name. Yeah. Supernova Celestial. I always put it backwards, but it's like a, like a serum. So it's a little bit thicker, a little bit oilier, but it absorbs super fast and it smells Mm. amazing. It smells like lavender and I don't know. It's so good. And it has just a little bit of a glow. You put it on your skin and it just gives like a little hint of a glow and it makes me so excited. I love it so much. Okay. So I have a Um, question about that. Are yes. you a face washer, like at night before you go to bed, do you do the whole like wash, exfoliate, all the things? I am like, I would say 50% of the time okay. because uh, sometimes I am just too exhausted. Oh, like I cannot yes. be bothered, but I will like, this is probably so bad. My esthetician would kill me, but basically like I may not wash my face, but I might still just put on some moisturizer, just okay. put it on <laughs> over my makeup. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I just don't want to wake up feeling dry. And so you know, funny. so I might still like, I don't care. I'm putting it over the I'm makeup I, over the dirt. This is yes. <laughs> yes. I can wash it in the morning. Who cares? At least I'm moisturized. Like that's it. what I care about. Yes. <laughs> my other thing that I love right now that I'm spending a lot of time at is Timberdoodle, timberdoodle.com. It's a homeschool curriculum website. And it's funny. I get really excited when they put out their yearly catalog of like the upcoming things. And it's so, 
it's just me, Davina, my best friend is actually a homeschool mom as well. And her and I both get super excited about the catalog and we will like call each other and talk about it. Like, Oh, did you see, did you see this? Did you see? And it's kind of a funny thing, but it's really great because being a mom of two boys, boys have, they have pretty short attention spans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all of the lessons with tumor doodle are like shorter lessons and very hands-on, which is like, this is how I have survived homeschool. This is my third year doing homeschool and Timber Doodle is my lifesaver. So I love, I love them. Okay. And then my other one, which I didn't know I would love this so much. It's a Roomba, the Roomba Girl, vacuum. Yes. My husband got me a Roomba for Mother's Day. <laughs> it's literally the best Mother's Day present I have ever gotten. And granted, Mother's Day was in COVID. So can't send me to the spa, can't send me on a, you know, girls, like nothing like that. Uh So he got me a Roomba. And at first I'm a little like, "Mm." (laughs) but now I'm like, hallelujah. They're the best, aren't they? Yes. My kids named it Charles. Oh, good. And they get really excited. (laughs) Yeah. When Charles turns on, they're like, Charles is cleaning. Charles is cleaning. (laughs) Just goes around the house and my floors, like, they're amazing. They're, you can't tell that a six, five, and three year old are who we yes. live on a farm. Yeah. So they're constantly outside collecting dirt and grass and everything else. And the floors are clean thanks to Charles. I love it. Charles the Roomba is the best. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What are you reading? Okay. I'm reading Originals How Nonconformists Move the World by mm-hmm. Adam Grant. Don't know. Um, it. It's really good. I, I'm just about halfway through right now. And I'm loving it. I, I was just drawn to the title because one time I took a personality, you know, all the different personality yeah. test type things. And I took this one and it said, the results came back and said that I was, quote, rebellious and non-conforming. <laughs> and I, the guy- an accurate statement of you? Yes. Okay. It's an accurate <laughs> statement of me. The guy who is reading my results, who knows me very well, he, he's um, a pastor and a friend. He was laughing hysterically when he read that because he, he said, Kim, this is what we love about you, that you refuse to be put in the box. No one is going to put you in a box. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like, but this is where, this was before I was married. He said, this is where it will hurt you someday when you're married the unwillingness to bend. That's going to hurt a marriage. (laughs) And I was like, I get married. I'm like, oh, he was right. I got to work on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So anyways, I was drawn to the title, how nonconformists move the world because I identify with that. Mm -hmm. And it's been um, really good. It's just, it's a book that's just talking about just kind of being a creative thinker, an original thinker, new ideas, but also some of the habits of people who are successful in their trials and, and failures and all the, the good things they accomplish. And so yeah. it's really good. And then Homebody by Joanna Gaines. Love it. I love her. And there was another book that she had that I really love, but Homebody was a newer one. And um, yeah. I'm loving that. And uh, instantly I was drawn to that title homebody because I'm not really a homebody, but when I am at home, I feel like I am. That's good. It's, it's not really true, but I just feel like I am when I'm yeah. at home. <laughs> I have a homebody now because I'm here all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Kim, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the conversation today. And yeah. I know that this conversation will bless so many people as they tune into the happy hour. So thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. You guys, Kim said so many amazing things. Uh, My favorite might be when she was talking about production and how we've all been having to 
pivot during churches during COVID. And she said, when you take it all away, do you still have Jesus to offer? And you guys, that is something that can relate to all of us, no matter what our jobs are or what we're in. When our seasons are crazy, do you still have Jesus to offer? And I hope that you do. And was I right or was I right about her wedding? I love it so much. I wish I could see a video of it. It brought me so much joy to hear her talk about that wedding that she had. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Thank you for all of your kind words about UBU. Have a happy hour with a friend, and I'm going to be back here with you next week with my guest, Dr. Derwin Gray, to talk all about the good life. The good life.